So, episode 5 is quite apt for the current climate. With the escalations in Ukraine, I thought I would talk about the atrocities committed by Joseph Stalin and the Soviet Union through the use of hunger as an execution method. This era in Eastern European history is known by many names. The Terror Famine, the Great Famine, or the Holodomor. Holodomor in Ukrainian literally translates to death by hunger. Holo, the word for hunger, and mor, for plague or extermination. And the term Holodomor is strictly reserved for the famine in Ukraine. The scenes in Ukraine during the Holodomor are nothing short of harrowing. Seeing an emaciated body collapsed on the side of the road had become an everyday sight. The country became a living nightmare. A place where thousands of starving people had turned to cannibalism to survive. And yet, in the news outside of Ukraine, newspapers denied it ever happened until 1980. The worst thing about the famine was that it was all mundane, and that man was Joseph Stalin and his collective style of communism. To understand the Holodomor, you first need to understand the Soviet Union in the 1930s. Joseph Stalin's five-year plan was laid out in 1928 to bring a largely peasant and agricultural population of the Soviet Union into the 20th century, kicking and screaming. This plan was borrowed from former leader Vladimir Lenin, who briefly enacted the plan but recanted it due to famine and inefficiency. The plan overall was to transition the Soviet Union from a weak, poorly controlled agricultural state into an industrial powerhouse. While the vision was grand, its planning was ineffective and unrealistic given the short amount of time given to meet the desired goals. Farmers were drafted into the ever-growing factories. Some 8 million people were drafted into the assembly lines as cities boomed and villages shrank. In 1929, Stalin edited the plan to include the creation of the Kolok, collective farming systems that stretched over thousands of acres of land and had hundreds of thousands of peasants working on them. The creation of the collective farms essentially destroyed the Kulaks as a class. The Kulaks was a term which was used to describe peasants who owned 8 acres of land or were considered wealthy for peasant standards and could afford to hire people to work on their lands. This class of people didn't exist before the revolution. The massive landowners under the Tsar had gone. The land they owned had been redistributed to the peasants. Later, some peasants decided to sell their land to others when they decided to work in the cities or flee the country. But by this point, there were no huge private landowners. As for the aforementioned definition of the Kulaks, the Soviets tended to ignore the fact that these peasants often worked the land alongside their employees. The Kulaks under Stalin were often forced to give up their land and join collectives or fill higher quotas, many of which they couldn't fill in the first place. Most of the smaller Kulaks gave up and joined the collective farms, but the larger ones initially refused. These were then subjected to a vicious campaign of intimidation and harassment. 
Officials would go around using violence to enter their homes and take whatever food they could. To eliminate them as a class, more than one million Kulaks and their families were executed, deported to Siberia or sent to Gulag camps. As the reforms of Stalin rumbled on, factory output skyrocketed, but food production fell, starting in 1931. It started to reach desperate levels in 1932. The harvest fell by 3 million tonnes, or 60% less than the targets of production in Ukraine. This was caused by a drought which reduced crop yields in the southern Soviet states. What did the Soviet government do? Well, apart from food rationing, being put in place, they did absolutely nothing. They even continued to export grain. Now there is no doubt, vast city dwelling populations went hungry, but it was the Ukrainians and the Kazakh people that bore the brunt of starvation's grip. The government either didn't know that the famine was happening, or they purposely wanted the Ukrainian and Kazakh people to suffer and die. Evidence shows that some reports came in of millions starving people, but the next talked about how there was more than enough food. Now to me, if anyone has read about Joseph Stalin, you will know that he was a tyrant of a man. The slightest whiff of incompetence would have got you executed. So is it such a stretch to believe that officials doctored their quotas not to incite his wrath? It would explain why the USSR actually produced 55 million tonnes of grain that year when they were quoted to have produced 70 million. With the rationing of food, it was distributed according to the needs. Obviously, Stalin gave more to the people working in the cities rather than the farms. At this point in time, the term Kulak was being thrown at anyone that was against the regime. The small landowners that were left were accused of being Kulaks sometimes by party activists, sometimes by their neighbours. Not only were they accused of withholding grain, they were accused of sabotage, allegedly burning down the crops of the collective farms. As the famine tightened its grip, farmers' situations became desperate. At first, they were forced to choose to kill what livestock was left or save them for later. Many began to eat what food they had for the livestock, bark off trees or roots. Grave robbing became prevalent, as the desperate peasants would steal gold and silver from the old elite just so they could afford to buy food from the cities. Also, they began to steal grain from the state granaries. This must have been a last resort, as we all know the Red Army officials wouldn't take this lightly. This became so frequent that it forced Stalin's hand. So in 1932, he enacted the infamous law on socialist property, which punished theft of grain with imprisonment in Siberia or straight-up execution. In November of 1932, the the ever-deepening famine caused the party officials and police to raid the remaining farmers' houses for anything that was edible. As the socialist property laws were in full swing by now, the theft of grain being so widespread, it was considered anything that was in the farmers' houses was damning evidence of thievery. Livestock was also considered under this madness, and the farmers were forced to hand over whatever they had left in or incur huge fines. This wasn't just reserved for the smallholders though. 
collective farms that failed to meet even higher quotas were also raided. These collective farms were also placed on a blacklist, which meant they were not allowed to trade or receive any deliveries whatsoever. Pressures were also put on the local leaders in Ukraine, not with just ridicule in the party, but with imprisonment within the Gulag system, which started a vicious cycle of more party officials raiding homes for food to fulfil quotas. In my view, and the view of a lot of historians, is that the Holodomor was a genocide of the Ukrainian people. The fact that this was an entirely man-made famine as a result of central economic planning constitutes that this had to be a genocide by the Soviet Union and Stalin. Stalin did engage in genocidal activities against the Ukrainian populace. He had frequently received letters from people across the Soviet Union about food shortages. Evidence showed that he also received letters from Ukraine directly in the autumn of 1932 telling him that there was no food. In fact, in July of 1932, the party officials in Ukraine told Moscow that they couldn't meet their astronomical quotas. Stalin and his high-ranking party officials knew that the famine was happening. And what did they do? They made it considerably worse. The policies didn't just call for more grain, they actively entered the homes of farmers to take everything. They then blocked off all the roads, severing any hopes that deliveries or people could move to get food. This created a vortex of paranoia between officials and the peasants that would ultimately end in the suffering and death of an estimated 3.9 to 7 million Ukrainian people. The Holodomor was probably one of the most successful genocides ever. Not only did Stalin manage to get what grain he needed to fund his industrial revolution, he managed to keep all of it under wraps. Ukrainians were even forbidden to speak about what had happened after the famine was over. There was never an official acknowledgement of the famine from the Soviets. They deemed it as propaganda to destabilise Soviet communism and the denial of the famine began before the worst of it had even begun. Talking about it could find you on a one-way ticket to Siberia or lined up against a wall and shot and buried in a shallow grave. One brave party member, Roman Terakov, was bold enough to mention the famine in the presence of Stalin. He was removed from leadership and expelled from the party, then records run cold on his fate. By the end of the famine, the USSR had to send people from the cities back to the Ukrainian countryside to collect the harvest. The accounts of what they found travelling around Ukraine are harrowing. Miles and miles of desolate fields, houses that were empty, with piles of bodies at the side of them. Well, that was grim. Yeah, I honestly believe the actions of the Soviet Union and more so Stalin were to eradicate the Ukrainian people. How or why would you continue to export grain if your people were starving? Especially in the Ukraine where a lot of the food came from. Stalin was far too clever of a man to be so short-sighted. 
The Soviets also actively went out of their way to cover it all up. I'm more than certain to this day the Russians still deny it even happened. They purposely refused aid from other countries, which is something I forgot to mention in the actual episode. In September of 1933, Cardinal Theodore Insler of Vienna tried to provide aid to Ukraine, but Stalin refused it. How can people deny that this whole mess happened? Anyway, as always, thank you for listening. Please, if you could review the podcast or share it with friends and family who you think may enjoy it, it would be a massive help. I hate doing that. Also, Dark History is on YouTube and TikTok. Links will be in the description if you'd like to check those out. And with all that spiel out the way, please join me for episode 6 and more Dark History. Dark History